Welcome to Catholic Radio for Katie Anna's presentation of Cajun Catholics. Here's your host, Todd Citron. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for all the blessings of the people in our lives. We pray for all those who are going through sickness at this time and eternal rest to all the faithful departed. And we pray for all those suffering with the coronavirus and pray for an end to it. Amen. 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 Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. You're listening to the Cajun Catholic Radio Show. I'm your host, Todd Citron. It is my great pleasure today and honor to have Sister Amelie Terrio. She has been in the religious life for 64 years, and uh, I believe your order is the Christian community. Sisters. Sisters of the Christian community. And Sister and I go way back. She's just an awesome person. I'm so happy to have her. Welcome to the show. Thank you. All right, Sister, tell us a little bit about yourself from the beginning. Okay, as a child, we always did the family rosary. My parents were very religious. Um, Went to public school all my life. Had never met a sister. Um, Where'd you go to school? Brobridge High, okay. Parks, and then Brobridge, and then UL, and then Dominican in New Orleans, and then uh, Cardinal Stritch in Milwaukee. That's a lot of schooling. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Mary in St. Louis, okay. My mother would say, meh, in French. Tu vas she, she would ask if I would ever finish start going to school. <laughs> um, before my senior year, during the summertime, my parents had taken me to see the movie of Our Lady of Fatima, and that had touched me so deeply that that's what inspired me to enter the convent. And um, I had never met a sister before. So when I went and met with the vocation director, she said, well, come back again for when Mother Clementine will be here. So the next week, Mother Clementine says to me, well, honey, when would you like to come? I said, Sunday? She said, Sunday's fine. So I came that Sunday, and some of the others said, that's not fair. We had to buy our clothes, and we had to do all kinds of, but they had everything ready for me. About 20 years after that, when I was teaching in Pascagoula, Mississippi, we were eating supper, and we were sharing about our entrance in the convent. All the others had entered the beginning of September. And I said, I entered October 13th. And Sister Aloysia right away said, that's the miracle of the sun. <laughs> oh, wow. But it still didn't hit me until two weeks later. Huh. And that's why I entered the convent, because of that movie. And, um, and you were 17 years old, right? I was 17. <clears throat> I had just made 17 the month before, yes. I'm going to ask another question, because I like details. Where was the movie playing? Was it in Lafayette, or...? Do you remember? In Brobridge. In Brobridge. Wow. Yes. Okay. Very nice. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And uh, some of my prayer experiences, one morning I was just praying and really being down in myself and saying, oh, Jesus, I'm so dis and I'm so impulsive. And all of a sudden it came crystal clear in my mind, the power of God at work in you can do immeasurably more than you could ever ask for or imagine. And that's from Ephesians 3.20. And another experience in prayer was I had two colon surgeries, and both of them were death. Um, it could have been a death. Life-threatening, huh? Yeah. Anyway, um, the doctor had said it could happen again any time. And 
when my family took me back home to Gonzales, I woke up the next morning at 4 o'clock and I could hear clearly, read Thessalonians 4, read Thessalonians 4. And it's all about being alert all the time and that, but not to be afraid because I was living as a child of the light and not of darkness. And um, That's beautiful. Sister, let me <clears throat> stop you for a moment because I want to ask some good questions uh, about your childhood. And, you know, you mentioned to me, I think, that your mother had been praying uh, that someone in your family would be a priest. Tell us a little bit about that. Yes, she had always prayed that she would have a son as a priest. We were a family of 13. Wow. Or a daughter as a sister. But I was the last one that she would have picked. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, you see how those prayers get answered. So was your mom back in the day when you were, uh, who in your family was the spiritual rock? Was it your mother? And, you know, my mother. For sure, huh? And, and but, wasn't her but prayer But my life? father, it was her, his rosary. Oh, okay. I can remember at night, by the side of the bed, him saying his rosary. Mm -hmm. That's that's so beautiful. I mean, no doubt families uh, that pray together stay together. And, um, you know, it was did the family do a rosary as well? We did. Yeah. We did a family rosary. That was the day when Father Peyton had started the uh, family rosary. Mm -hmm. People were going around asking families, you know, to do the family rosary together. And, I don't think you see that that much anymore, you know, certainly. I wish I, I one of the big regrets in my life and growing up, you know, that is I didn't do that as much with my family and I wish I had, but it's so, it's such a, a powerful thing. Yes. You know, um, so, and I'm, I, and I know you have a, still have a devotion to the rosary. Yeah, the rosary is every day, two or three times a day. And uh, some of my so other, some of my other devo strong devotion is, our Lady of Sorrows Chaplet every night, and also the prayer to the Holy Face of Jesus and the Holy Shoulder of Jesus and the Divine Mercy Chaplet, um, other than um, the Liturgy of the Hours. Um, yeah, I want to say this, you know, before <laughs> I forget, but, you know, it's people like Sister Amelie that are behind the scenes that are in the Cajun Catholic community that are just doing so much for the kingdom and for, especially for our community here in Acadiana. And she's been around doing this for so long. You've been in the religious life for, I believe you said, 64 years. And she's lived in several different places in South Louisiana and taught as well. Tell us a little about some of your teaching. Um. I taught special ed for four years at St. Michael's Special School in New Orleans and also St. Mary's in Lafayette. Other than that, I had I taught pre-K for many years. Um, I was hired at um, St. Teresa and Gonzales to implement the pre-K program. So I implemented research and implemented the pre-K program and then just continued teaching the pre-K. And that was wonderful. I love working with the kids, and I still have contact with many, many of those little bitty kids that I taught. It's four-year-olds who are having babies now. <laughs> Some good Cajun Catholics for sure there. So tell us, while we're on Gonzales, I know this is a good story there, and we, I guess we can go ahead and get right into that, but a sister has seen, and you know, I can tell you she's prayed so many miracles in her life, and she shared a lot of them with me, but uh, she has a great story from a family that she had met in Gonzales I'd like her to share. When I was in Gonzales, I had taught Christopher Colley, and um, his father is Paul Colley, and his mother, Gloria 
the Avenue Valley lives in Golden Meadow. They have all kinds of businesses. But um, one night I was watching the Baton Rouge news and all of a sudden I heard um, a prominent banker from Gonzales is missing. So I called his mother, Gloria, and she said, how did you find out? I said, well, on the Baton Rouge news. So anyway, the, the Coast Guard, three different country Coast Guards looked for his body, but they never found his body. He, they were on their family yacht, which was over 100 feet long, and a big 12-foot wave hit the yacht. So after that happened, after lunch, they went to Paul's cabin, and he wasn't there, so they started looking for him. They never found him. And um, <clears throat> Gloria, off, his mother, offered the Coast Guard to pay for them to continue looking. And they said that she would be just wasting her money because where it happened, it was so turbulent and deep and cold, <coughs> excuse me, that he could never survive. So <clears throat> that day, I picked up a gold mug that he had brought me from the Vatican, and I said, Paul, please give your family some sign that you're not stuck out there suffering in the ocean. And I just put the mug back up, and that evening I was just resting in my recliner. It was the day before the Memorial Mass in Gonzales at St. Teresa. I was just reclining in my recliner, just resting, and all of a sudden, Paul appeared right there, right in front of me, and I saw him from his waist up. He made contact with me for a few seconds. He looked at me straight in the eyes, and then he started whistling. Whatever he was whistling was out of this world. It was so beautiful. I had never heard whistling like that before. And um, so I called his mother, and I said, did Paul used to like to whistle? And she says, well, I don't know. I've never heard him whistle before, but why don't you call Danielle, his wife? And the funny thing is I'd been trying to get Danielle for three days, and she hadn't answered, but that time she answered. And I said, Danielle, did Paul used, did Paul used to like to whistle? Well, she started laughing out loud, and she said, why are you asking me that? And when I told her, she said, sister, <clears throat> Every night when we'd be doing the dishes, we try to see who could learn to whistle first, and neither of us ever learned to whistle. And I said, well, he's whistling now. So that was their sign that Paul was not suffering in the ocean. And Sister and I talked on the car uh, ride coming over here about um, how she she loves to hear that story. It gives her great comfort, I'm sure. And uh and and I think you know we talked about why you you know why why you for that and uh, and I believe that you know you're a vessel. There's no question. You know your commitment to the the religious life and and also this your commitment to the rosary and it's those things that we do as Cajun Catholics that we do that that that, that put us in a in a place to receive grace, but but not only to receive it but to pass that grace on. And I, I see that clearly. I love that story. That's thank you for sharing that with us. You have a lot of other supernatural stories, I know, but you, yeah. But I'll let you continue on. You know, um, sister wanted to share some things with us. Again, you're listening to the Cajun Catholic Radio Show, and uh, I'm your host Todd Citron. And today we have Sister Amelie Terrio. She's from Parks, and she spent 64 years of her life committed uh, to the religious life and, and counting. So go on, Sister. Tell Another us. Another thing that what I'm praying for now is that I do have congestive heart failure. 
So I pray that one day I may be able to give communion again at the hospital and to the homebound. That was such a blessing for me. I think I almost received more than giving. It was such a... Well, maybe I'm doing that for you. That's something that I never thought God would put on my heart. But for several years, my brother has done a, a, a ministry at the nursing homes and through St. John's Cathedral, and he asked me to help him. So, And so maybe you must indulge me because it was something I felt uncomfortable with. But uh, I've been doing that. And it's just such it is such a blessing. Oh, my goodness. That's wonderful. Yeah. So we need you, all you good Cajun Catholics out there to pray for sister that she'll get well enough to do that again. That would be great. Maybe we can do that together. Yes. <laughs> that sounds good. I, we, ha we have the ministry. You just got to jump in. Good. All right. Well, sister, continue on. We love to hear your stories. I know you have so many to tell. Well, tell another, another uh, ministry that I did, which was wonderful and I loved it, was RCIA director. Mm -hmm. I was RCIA director at St. Teresa Gonzalez for 17 years. And then whenever I moved back home, Father Steve found me and they didn't have a, a, an RCIA director there. Mm -hmm. So I was immediately, <clears throat> anyway, I talked to him. And he said, you, have to, you need to talk, think about it. I said, yes. So he called me that Saturday and he said, can you come back? He said, I really would like to talk more about a contract. So when I went back to St. Paul's the Tuesday, the secretary walks in with the article that he had already printed for the bulletin that he had heart. <laughs> <laughs> That's not fair. <laughs> And that's Father Steve at St. Pius. And I think maybe, I don't know, is that when you met my father-in-law? I think that, uh, John, uh, I know yes. he knows you through. Actually, no. Mm -hmm. uh, when I was working in Gonzales, the Baton Rouge Diocese had the um, North American Farm Institute, mm -hmm. which has gone out now because of the money situation. Mm -hmm. But um, I used to go to the... Uh, institutes all the time and John used to come from Lafayette he used to go to that so actually the way um, this happened with Father Steve I had gone to Crossroads bookstore to pick up a book of St. Therese of Lysia who is one of my favorite saints and I have to tell you my healing from her I want to hear that and um, anyway uh, John said so what are you doing now sister so John I just moved back to uh, parks to home and um, I'm planning to go volunteer at St. Bernard's School. He said, Sister, a priest just called me and asked me if I knew somebody who could be RCI director. And I said, who's that? He said, Father Steve. I said, well, I know him well. So anyway, so that was how I got. That's great. That's great. While we're thinking about it, come on, let's tell that story about, about the little St. Therese of Lysia. I... Um, in 1998, I had a colon surgery, which was, the doctor said when he went in, he didn't know if I was going to make it through the surgery. And um, when I woke up, he said it can happen again anytime. That was 98. In 1999, I had just finished reading from my grandniece's wedding in Brobridge. On the way to the Hilton, the pain started. I said, oh, no, not again. And... Um, all night I laid on the couch in the entrance of the Hilton and uh, my brother kept on begging me to bring me to the hospital and I said, no, I'm not having surgery again. So finally the next morning and they gave me a bunch of shots and couldn't get the pain to go away. So anyway, um, 
I ended up having surgery again, and this was July 13th that I had had the surgery. And it just wouldn't heal. The incision wouldn't heal, and when the kids would run to me, I'd hold, I'd hold myself, not for them to hurt me. So that December after, which was six months after, is when the relics of St. Therese of Lysia were going around the United States. And I was in Gonzales, I called my little neighbor, I said, Marie, would you like to come with me to the Carmelite Monastery in Brobridge for the Mass for the Relics of St. Therese of Lysia? She said, I would love to. So it was one talk after the other in the Mass and long process, and finally we were in the chapel. And um, I was just standing about 10 feet away from the relic rim. I wasn't praying for anything. I was just, it was so peaceful. I was just being at peace. And all of a sudden, I actually felt it physically. <clears throat> a scent of roses went through my whole body. And when I opened my eyes, there was just a tiny little bit of rose on the altar. And I said, wow, that's an amazing rose. So when we got back in the car, I said, Marie, did you ever smell roses like that before? I never smelled roses. And besides, there was just a little bit of rose on the altar. And I said, I know that, but there's no way you didn't smell the roses. She says, well, she said, I did not smell roses. But what really touched me was when they walked out of the big white van with the reliquium and they played the national anthem of friends. Marie. You must be congested. Look, I'm not congested. I don't know why you keep insisting that I would have smelled roses. And after she said that, we looked at each other and I started crying. Because, and you see how it still touches me. Because I can still remember how strong it was. And um, after that, I started healing. <clears throat> and I never had trouble with my colon again. <clears throat> Such a such an incredible testimony, and you know, sister's got such a love for Christ. I mean, and you notice that she brings up dates and, and numbers readily, and I, I just didn't believe that the Holy Spirit communicates with us through numbers and signs. You know, there's signs everywhere. You just got to be open to them. That's so so beautiful. So uh, yeah, tell us some more great stories, sister. You, I know you have so many. You have a big family, uh, and I know you have a rosary that y'all do back at home and whatnot. Tell us what you, what you got going right now. Well, right now we have a group rosary going on, neighborhood rosary going on right now, which I missed today. I told them to pray for. Pray for us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we need it. And um, my ministry right now, we have to say, would be prayer. Mm -hmm. um, and we know how important that is. That's one of the things I can, and like I said before, I, I um, the, the Rosary, the Divine Mercy Chaplet, the um, Our Lady of Sorrows. I love Our Lady of Sorrows and the Sorrows of St. Joseph also because he suffered alone with with our Blessed Mother. And right now I'm doing the consecration to um, St. Joseph, which many, many people are doing. I know many people know that Amazon is out of those books. Okay, yeah, let's talk about that because I, that's been coming up a lot in my life. My, my daughter, Jessica, was telling me that uh, uh, St. Joseph, uh, that that's a new thing, I guess, sort of. That I know there was a consecration to Mary, 
and now there's that's that's kind of a big thing. And so you have you done it already? You said I'm doing it doing right it now. now. We're on uh, day number twenty five, and then the consecration will be on the nineteenth, the feast of Saint Joseph. Oh, that's so nice. <coughs> and uh, my nephew was confirmed uh, in Lake Charles a little while back, and he, he chose Saint Joseph as his patron saint, and um, and that was really nice. And I found this nice. I'm going to put a plug in for. Uh, Crossroads, uh, I believe they've recently been taken over by uh, Catholic Charities, and, and they got a nice new store. You need to, everybody should go out there, and, and I think all the prophets go to Food Net and Face House and some of those great organizations, but they had a beautiful St. Joseph uh, painting that uh, I bought for him. And uh, so support them as well, you know. And listen, all of you out there who hear this live, uh, you can hear the uh, any of the broadcasts that we've done already are on podcasts. They're on soundcloud.com. And if you search Cajun Catholics, all the episodes will be on there. Uh, this great episode with Sister Ameline, you know, it's just such an honor to have her here today. And um, she's been such a uh, wonderful person in our community. And she has so much to share and so much to give and so much love. And she touched me. I'm over here in tears over here. She's got me uh, tied up. But uh, tell us some more good stories. You know, uh, I know you got the Lord has touched you in so many ways. Um, give us give us some of that. Tell, tell me about, do you, do, you, do you still read the Bible regularly? I mean, is that something, or do you read a yeah, lot? Yeah. yeah. What do you like to read? Well, right now, of course, it's St. Joseph, and then I'm in the middle of a bunch of books. I'm actually reading the book of Gary Salis right now. Oh, yeah, okay. My mom loved him. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, he's a great man. Um, what about this? You know, the coronavirus uh, is big news, and... Um, Hopefully, by the time this airs, maybe it'll have settled down. But I think we're kind of right in the height of it right now. And, um, you know, I don't know. I'm trying to reconcile that with my faith and, and how God has his hand in there. You know, what's your thoughts about all that? All I can say is I pray to St. Rosalie. St. Rosalie is the one for um, plagues, to pray for plagues. She was in Italy, from Italy. There is another saint, but St. Rosalie is the one that I really remember. And um, I have to pray, and I have to be careful because I have congestive heart failure. Mm -hmm. But um, I've heard that people from Italy are saying, look, people in the United States better wake up because it's not just old people and people with chronic problems. Mm -hmm. Because we have people here in their 16s and 18s with coronavirus. So... Yeah. I, you know, I, I would hate to see, I know they suspended mass in Italy, public mass. I hope that doesn't happen here. I just feel like, you know, at the core of our faith that God's going to take good care of us, that he wouldn't really want us not to, not to, not to get together and, and certainly to have mass. I, you know, I don't, I hope we don't overreact. You know, that's yeah. my prayer, but certainly St. Rosalie, that's, that's very fitting. Uh, a saint from Italy and, and, uh, Regarding plagues, I, I think that's right on, sister. But at uh, at the Serica blanket uh, banquet two nights ago, <clears throat> Bishop Desidel was so funny. He was elbowing everybody. <laughs> <laughs> He's a character. He's such a good man. We're so blessed to have him as our bishop. You know, you've seen a lot of bishops come and go. Um, oh yes. Yeah. Tell us about some of your yeah. interactions in the past. Yeah. Some of the I think one of my favorite bishops was Bishop Stanley Ott mm-hmm. of Baton Rouge. He died of pancreatic cancer, but he was a tiny little bitty man, but he was a powerhouse. And um, one of the priests that I was very close to who recently died, Father Paul Metrichon, 
that's the one that I'd worked with in Dakota Homes, and he he just uh, mentored me and did so much. We were friends for over 40 years. Mm-hmm. So it was a shock for me when he died. He had called me like a week and a half before. And I was talking to Bishop Desertel by night before last, and he said, yeah, he said, uh, people that he was doing guiding spiritually were calling for their appointment, and he wouldn't answer, so they called Father uh, Monsignor Dudwin. And when he went, he found him. He had died in his sleep. I said, that must have been so hard for Monsignor Dudwin. He said, yes. Yeah. But Monsignor Dudwin did the most beautiful homily for his funeral. And of course, it was Bishop Desertel and Bishop Gerald for the funeral. And then um, he said this joke about his hair. He had pitch black hair, and they always would tease him about if he dyed his hair. And of course, he never did. He had good hair and good teeth, <laughs> but a bad heart. Yeah, that's funny. I, uh, you make me think of we're six boys in our family, and only one of my brothers has a whole lot of hair. And we always say his daddy's the milkman. You know, I don't know what the <laughs> heck. <laughs> uh, so with just a few minutes left on the show, sister, you know, you've dedicated your whole life to, to, to religious life and to the Lord. And, and we thank you so much for your yes. Um, had Father uh, Schumacher on here and his favorite Bible verses was uh, Luke 1, 38, which is, I'm the handmaid of the Lord, you know, let it be done, you know, I'm your servant. And uh, so what do you want your legacy to be? I mean, you've dedicated your life here. How do you, how do you want your legacy to be? I love the Lord as my shepherd, of course, a 23rd Psalm, but from the Old Testament, from the Hebrew Scriptures, this is what your God asks of you, to act justly, love tenderly, and walk humbly with your God, from Micah. That's nice. Beautiful. That's awesome. So, um, you know, again, um, it's just been such a blessing to have you on the show today, and um, you got a lot of you got a lot of good good things in front of you. You can do so much uh, for all of us in, in prayer. And we, we ask for your prayers as well out there in our listening community. Uh, prayer is important, isn't it? Yes. I mean, wh- why is it so important? Tell our listeners why prayer is so important. Because it's conversing with God. Um, and how to pray. And, and how holy, do you recommend praying? How do I recommend so many different ways, but one way is just sitting and relaxing in the presence of God and asking God's blessing. And um, it doesn't have to be formal, does it? Right. Yeah. And I talked to Jesus around the house. I said, "Oh, Jesus, why did I do this? <laughs> that was so silly of me to do this." Yeah, I talked to Jesus often out loud because I live by myself. You know, uh, in my prayer life, I always. I say a rosary every day, and I, I do a lot of talking to Jesus. I do a lot of, and I and I always try and catch myself and say, "Listen, stop, and let, let him talk." You know, because I just do all the talking, and I find that in my prayer life, that's when I receive the most. When I just sit quietly and say, "Okay, Jesus, talk to me," you find that? Yes. Yeah. What's he telling you? What's he tell you most of the time? To be still and listen. You know, be still and know that I am God. That's beautiful. And I know what, for me, sister, he's telling, I can know he's telling me, hey, you've done a great job and keep up the good work. I I hear that clearly from the Lord. So again, you've been listening to the Cajun Catholic Radio Show. Uh, Today we had Sister Amelie Ontario. She is uh, 
been in religious life for 64 years. Thank you, sister, for being on the show today. Thank I you. love you. You're so special to me and my Thank family. You. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, again, we ask all of our listeners to engage the Cajun Catholic in you. Again, if you're ever interested in being a host on uh, a guest on, on Cajun Catholics, please contact the radio station or contact myself. Uh, and my email is tcitron at hubcityford.com. Drop me an email. And I'd like to just thank you all for listening. And God bless you all.